That's such a great point. One of the hardest things I think about coming in to an organization, whether you're coming in as a leader or you're coming in as a freelancer or a teammate, is not having kind of the the foundations or the the truths, your core truths codified in some way. Where does that live? Is there like a Google Doc? Is there a sticky note on the wall? Like whatever version of lo-fi, hi-fi we're using, there has to be some codified way to know this is who we are. This is what we do. These are our products. And it's interesting how far so many organizations go without that documentation for everything from technical to brand to, you know, just internal processes. You are listening to the High Growth Founders Podcast, where we give you unfiltered truth and ideas about accelerating the growth of your startup and becoming the founder you were born to be. No fluff, no games, just straight to business. I'm your host, Casey Jones. Through my career as a coach, consultant, advisor, and mentor, I've worked with hundreds of founders on their go-to-market strategy, building an authentic personal brand, and growing as a leader. You are here for one thing, growth. And this show is dedicated to helping founders accelerate growth, period. We will dive into not only the best strategies that are working today, but discuss the biggest mistakes and failures that industry leaders have made in the past so you don't have to. So kick back, relax, and let's get into the show. Oh my goodness, I am so incredibly excited. Paige, thank you for being here. And before we kind of kick anything off, please tell everybody just a little bit about you, about your role as a founder and the business that you're building, which frankly is really freaking cool. And I think a lot of people are going to be excited about. So Paige, who who the heck are you? Thank you. My name is Paige Hewlett and I am the founder of Margot. Margot is a marketing dashboard that aims to kind of be a CMO as a service or marketing team as a service for early stage founders and business owners, organizations that may not really need full CMO marketing team or may not be in a stage where they're financially ready for that, but benefiting from some strategic expertise, you know, well-placed timing of resources and finding really qualified, vetted people to work with solve so many of the other problems that business owners have in building their business and in kind of getting that traction as they grow. And that's who we're really trying to work with and trying to support. So cool. And it, this is obviously a a topic that is near and dear to my heart. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about this in a little bit. But you know, I want to I want to kind of kick this conversation off the way I always do. And I'm hoping you will tell us a little bit about, I don't know, something hard you've been through, some lesson that you've learned that, you know, probably sucked (laughs) during, but ultimately led to some big realizations or some big ahas that maybe helped you, I don't know, figure out the business in the first place or taught you something about how to be a better founder or better leader or led to some, I don't know, transformative lesson that led to some real growth for you. So I know you well enough to know like this, you're a 
you're a very like reflective human and you think about these things. So I'm curious, you know, I mean, I feel like the list is really long. Um, I feel like I come home every day and it's like, you guys, I, my whole life just changed from this thing that happened today. And, you know, while the penchant for drama is obvious, you know, I think some of the most transformative things that can happen are really small shifts. And I think a lot of the transformation that you see is less about kind of one major thing happening, though, of course, you know, that does, of, of course, happen. But a lot of it is really these small, tiny changes that happen behind the scenes where it takes so long maybe for an outsider to see that transformation. But for you, it's been this kind of naturally evolving piece. Um, Maybe that's just me as an introvert or me who doesn't communicate well. I mean, there could be any number of things there behind that. We could unpack that in a different discussion. But, you know, I think some of the... The biggest shifts for me that I've seen are kind of where you self-advocate or you clarify, like, this is not the path that I want to be on, or this future that I see laid out in front of me is not the right one for whatever that reason is. And funny timing is someone asked the other day on Twitter, where I know we kind of laugh and joke about a lot of other things, but someone asked, like, what was the most transformative thing for your career. And I said, I kind of commented and it was getting a divorce and it was being a single parent, single mom, sole provider to two kids under two. And here I am already getting emotional, like deep going back into that whole transition. But at the time I was running an agency, I was traveling Every other week, I knew gate attendance better than I knew my own kids. And there were these moments where I was like, this is this is not the life, not only because the relationship I was in was not serving me and serving our future, but it was you know, also a day-to-day series of choices that were, yes, building this business, putting the time in, meeting clients, kind of building a very traditional marketing agency was not the kind of business that I could do while I was trying to be the kind of parent, not just that I wanted to be, but that my kids at that time really needed me to be. And, you know, I think some of the things that I come back to with, you know, where Margot is or, you know, how I came to these concepts, it's really looking at this as a small business owner, the companies that I was working with at the time were all early stage startups, all based in smaller communities where there aren't tech hubs, where there weren't resources and support. And so I was traveling all over the place to this. Of course, this was pre-COVID. This was got almost 10 years ago. And you know, the the difference is I was getting on the plane, I was going to have these meetings, I had, you know, the series of different events tied up for the day. And then I would get on a plane, have a drink at the bar, go tuck my kids in and like send the babysitter home. And there was this moment in seeing like this, this doesn't work no matter how I slice it and coming back and then kind of just taking, you know, sometimes when you're in that place of nothing is working, it's like, okay, we got to burn it down and totally rebuild and totally start fresh. And so kind of, as I was saying earlier, this idea of small little tiny changes really behind the scenes of that one fell swoop. It's, it's interesting to kind of see once that decision, once that moment of this doesn't work was really clear, 
and was like, okay, so what will work? And in the span of two and a half weeks, I found a job in Portland. I applied to the job in Portland. I sold my client list to another agency in Savannah. I interviewed, I found a house, and I moved my kids to Portland. Like it was the most bizarro two weeks of my life, to be totally honest. And it was just such this clear shift where all of these decisions had kind of reached that tipping point. And that to the outside eye, it was like, whoa, she's having a midlife crisis or a quarter life crisis or whatever that is. And yet it was just such a clear and aligned shift. And that's really what sent me kind of down into leading a series of different startups, doing different marketing here in town and kind of a much larger community and balancing out that perspective that I had of years of building and kind of working with smaller businesses and having to juggle very nimble, often non-existent budgets that you kind of create once you know, like, what is this going to cost me and how important is this? And okay, now I'm going to go find that money because otherwise that's not going to exist. And it's a much different mentality when you go in and start working with companies who are funded and who say, all right, let's take a step back. What's the right way to build this from the beginning? And what a novel concept to be able to be intentional and strategic and not kind of constantly covering your ass with one thing or another trying to make it work. And I think the duality of some of those experiences and the challenge, I mean, you know, admittedly, the challenge is a lot of what is where I see kind of today the value of so many of those decisions playing out years later. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's my situation is is really similar. I mean, I didn't have the kids, but I remember so when I when I got a divorce, I mean, everything changed because I basically realized like I had made all kinds of decisions and was living a life that I didn't really love and was based on sort of what I thought we wanted and needed and not at all on what I actually wanted. And I remember probably three months after we separated, I went with a group on a trip to Cuba and I was going through the divorce. I had my passport was still in my married name, but I was going by like Casey Jones again. And, you know, my real name is Catherine. And so I'm standing in line with these people that I've just met. I've been traveling all night long because my flights were all delayed. So I'm so tired and I'm in line to board a flight to Cuba. And the guy who planned the trip, he was like, okay. He was like, you got to explain this to me. He was like, there's three different names on all the stuff that you sent. There's Casey Jones, there's Catherine Jones, there's Catherine Tonsfeld. He was like, I don't get it. And I'm so tired and bleary eyed. And I was like, oh, well, I signed divorce papers about a week ago, but I didn't have a chance to update my passport. You know, and I like explain all this to him. And he was not expecting it and was like, totally like, was like, whoa, okay, we got real. It's like six o'clock in the morning. And he goes, divorce. And he was like, that must have taken you a really long time to get to that decision. And I remember looking at him and I said, you know, it's actually funny. There were a lot of things going on that I think were getting me towards that, but I had no idea. And then all of a sudden I did. And then it happened really, really 
fast. And I think about that with so many different of these big decisions that we make in life, just like you explained, it's lots of these little things that are happening that are leading towards it that you don't even realize are moving you towards this decision. And then all of a sudden you come to the conclusion that, oh yeah, no, we, we got to burn this whole thing down and start from scratch. And it's, it's so hard to explain to other people that haven't been through something similar to that. You know, and I think it's one of those things too. It's such a good lesson, even when things are going well, right? No matter what the thing is in your life, because everyone has their version of hardship or challenge or, you know, burdens to carry. But even in the best of days, it's those tiny little things that all kind of line up together. It's not like, just having lemon poppy seed pancakes might be great. Like that sounds wonderful to have that for breakfast, but like that's not going to line up all of those parts that make your, that make that whole picture the healthy, beautiful version that you're looking for. And it's so much about your own stuff and how you take that space and you, you know, acknowledge the conversation that you really want to be having. And I think that's interesting too, from a, a founder perspective from, you know, working with all of the people who are building their own businesses, because it is scary to put yourself out there. It is scary to create something and hold it out in the world and be like, do you like it? Like, what do you think? And it's, it's a little bit, you know, like my sweet, sweet kiddo made a birthday cake recently by himself. And I mean, it was like, he put two and a half cups of sugar in it. And, and, of course we ate all of it. Like we ate it and we all had stomach aches and it's like, it's beautiful and we love it, but that's something that only a mother does. And so when you're a founder and you're coming out and you're like, you know, mom may have no idea what you're even talking about. Like a lot of these connections and businesses and concepts are so new and so different and coming back to this idea of how do you talk about it? How do you explain it? How do you make it you know, really simple. That's all of those step by step every single day. You're learning something from your customers. You're learning something by talking about it. And there's not like marketing is such a enigma to people who aren't in marketing. You know, it's like your crystal ball and your tarot cards and your Ouija board. And, and yet it's just this series of small changes and small tweaks. And then all of a sudden you have positioning, you have messaging, you have all of these pieces that you're really proud of that feed so much other growth and so much other opportunity. But it takes dealing in the messy part of how do you explain this thing? How do you tell someone for the first time about your divorce? How do you do the ugly thing, the uncomfortable thing in a way that gets you to that next step? Oh, I I love, I mean, you're speaking my language. I knew this was going to be a co- good conversation because it's, I'm so passionate about the, the weaving together, the personal development and the, the, the venture development. And this is exactly what you're talking about is there's something amazing we can learn about being a founder by being a human and, and having that reflection. And also to your earlier point, that intention. And so I am curious, okay, for someone who doesn't, who this is all super intimidating, how do you, how do you start communicating these hard things when 
it still is new for you and even newer for the people that you're actually trying to talk to? What's what's your recommendation for yourself or or to the people that you work with? Obviously, it really depends, right? Like if you're communicating deep personal things, that's maybe a conversation you should have with a therapist. First, uh, I recommend professional counsel of all kinds, most notably that for pretty much everything in your life. But from a business perspective, from telling these new ideas, from kind of starting to talk about this new concept, you know, a, a lot of resources that you see online will say, how do you test a new idea? How do you see if it has traction, if it's going to have legs or, you know, however you want to describe it. And it's like, put up a landing page and see if you get people who click on it and want to buy it. I'm like, okay, that's that's one path, but that's really only a path if you have distribution, people who are going to the landing page. Like, that's only a path for a very narrow subset of new businesses and new founders who have existing communities, existing people they can reach out to. But I think the biggest thing is either find people in your life who kind of are willing to let you flounder a little bit and kind of be like, well, that doesn't really make any sense. Or tell me more about how you would actually make money or, you know, like be willing to kind of, there's this Reddit community called Roast My Startup. And there's an element of like, be willing to be roasted and be willing to, you know, there's this element, of course, of putting yourself out there with the thing that you've created. But you have to also remove yourself from that and see the output that you are making, not as a personal representation of yourself, but it's just that, an output. And it's based on knowledge that you have. It's based on things that you know. It's based on you doing your best work, but it doesn't define who you are. It doesn't validate your worth or value or impact as a person. And that's a very challenging thing. Yeah, because because you you start to identify your sense of identity gets so tied up to your role as a founder because it's such an all-consuming experience and journey. And it is it is hard to kind of separate that a little bit. But I think, you know, what you're talking about is is spot on of you've got to put it out there to figure out like does this land, does this work? And it's a good friend of mine, he will always say, our brains lie to us. And so our best bet is, is we think better together. We think better as a group. And so if you can find a way to get that idea into the kind of proverbial hands or brains of other people and see what confuses them or what questions do they wind up asking? What conclusions do they come to based on that thing? You will start to learn, oh, I use this word to describe that thing, but it turns out that word makes someone think something completely different and I need to use this other one. When you're working with um, especially kind of early stage startups in like with Margot, how do you help? Because I'm sure some are coming to you where they just want the marketing. They just want the like growth side and sometimes taking the hard look at how we how we describe what we do or even like what we do is maybe they don't even realize that that's needs to be part of the conversation. Like how do you wind up having leading them towards some of these, these hard conversations 
around that are a little more require require a little more reflection of what they're actually doing and, and how they describe it to other people. That's such a great point. One of the hardest things I think about coming in to an organization, whether you're coming in as a leader or you're coming in as a freelancer or a teammate, is not having kind of the the foundations or the the truths, your core truths codified in some way. Where does that live? Is there like a Google Doc? Is there a sticky note on the wall? Like whatever version of lo-fi, hi-fi we're using, there has to be some codified way to know this is who we are. This is what we do. These are our products. And it's interesting how far so many organizations go without that documentation for everything from technical to brand to, you know, just internal processes. And so I think one of the things that we did with Margot is immediately structured so many of the different parts of the dashboard to kind of create bumpers for people to work against, where when they sign up, when you create an account, before you even choose if you want to hire anyone, before you choose if you want to um, have a paid program or anything like that on a totally free plan, you have an entire onboarding process that works through who you are, what you do, who you sell to, gathers all of this information through like a series of different narrative questions and asking them this information. And then as part of their onboarding process, they work with one of the strategists to make sure that it makes sense and that it's rational and that it lands and that it's not, you know, you're not saying you sell all of these products to the same audience when you sell them to six different audiences. It's making them focus on the audience problems and those conversations. And then as part of that whole conversation, we're saying, talk to your customers all the time. It's anytime someone has a question, well, what do you think about this? Have you talked to a customer? Who's a customer that we could talk to about this? Who's a potential customer that we could talk to about this? Really getting that hands-on feedback because so much of how you think, to exactly what you said, so much of how you think about your problem and about what you're trying to do is from a much different perspective than the person that you're trying to solve it for, which is exactly why you're the person to come in and do that work. But you still need to have that other perspective to be able to get it adopted. And it's this, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, did an engineer build it? I mean, I, I don't know. But like at the end of the day, if someone's not using the product, what are you doing? Like you're spending so much time, you're spending so much energy and, and impact behind it that so much of marketing is just in those early days, it's getting feedback. And unfortunately, that's not as sexy as like making $100 million in your first quarter. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. So I, I think about this a lot, right? It's your, your brand is the intersection between two things. It's like, whether it's personal or your company brand, it's what is authentically like you, what your company does, what you stand for, all these other things and your audience, right? Your customer, your ideal customer. And it's, it's the Venn diagram. It's the overlapping between those two things. And I think so often founders get really caught up in like what they are doing, which again, to our earlier point, right? It's all consuming. Of course you're caught up in your own, you know? And so we can sort of forget that, wait, the whole point is is to help someone else 
and we can we can lose sight of that. And I think it's hard too because you know, you're so smart. You're this founder of this amazing new product. Like of course they're not going to understand, but they're I mean, I say that in my head, but like the piece is you have to find the shared language, right? Like you as a traveler, you if you go to a foreign country where they don't speak a shared language, you have to use hand puppets and you're using Google Translate now on your phone. But like maybe 10 years ago, you were using hand puppets and trying to describe this thing in pictures in your head or in space, you know, or say like bigger, smaller using gesture. And I think part of this piece of digital first and, you know, really leaning heavily into tech and the current environment of video first, everything and being not together is that you miss out on some of that contextual understanding when you're just putting text on your homepage and trying to land in five words with your customer an entire understanding and experience that is disconnected from shared reality or shared language. And so, so much of that is talking to you know, how do you think this should work? What do you think it could look like? How would you describe this? Like some of those questions that are very, how you talk to kids when they come home from school or like how you do so many of these pieces of marketing to your point are so similar to how you approach all of these other parts of life. And it's about boiling that down and then taking the impact from that to help move you forward. Yeah. No. And I I think I, I love that analogy, right, of being in a foreign land and having to figure out how you communicate. And I, I do think it is interesting. I think this has been a, a more recent conversation that has come up quite a bit of this idea that, yeah, technology helped us automate and speed all of these things that help us move faster. It helps us scale, adds so much advantage. However, in in that process, we have lost a lot of sort of the ultimate point, which is connecting with other humans. And so sometimes going back to um, the basics, getting on a phone call or shocker, getting meeting someone in person, oh my God, and having a conversation and seeing like, how do they talk about these things? How do they deal with them? It can lead to far bigger realizations and powerful kind of research that can really transform a business than running a survey or, you know, doing a B testing on your landing page or what, you know, all of these other things that are helpful, but in a different way. In a different way. And when you're at a different scale, right? Sending a survey is really helpful when you're trying to get 250 responses from a distribution of 20,000 maybe. But if you have 20 people that you could ask this question to that you either know, know someone who knows or could find via a little Google work, you should probably just email them. Like you should probably just send a personal note. You should try to connect. You should try to have that real conversation. And I, I try to use that in my head. I'm like, okay, so the first hundred of whatever it is, it's got to be hand emails. Like whatever that test is, whatever that experiment is, see if people like it, see if it connects, see if it lands. And then like if after a hundred emails, there's some 
interest and we can kind of figure that out of how we learn from that, how we can grow from that, how we take that next step forward. Great. But there are so many business problems that people turn into bigger, I don't want to say barriers, but kind of bigger projects than they need to be because you're trying to, again, do it the right way and doing it in the way that is appropriate for where you are is so much more effective. Like from a personal place, right? Like if you have, I don't know, I'm thinking about this now, we just moved into this new house and we have zero storage. I'm like, okay, well, we're not going to be here forever. So how do we make this work from a short-term perspective? I don't need to clear out all of my furniture, start afresh and whatever, but I need to be able to find a way to make this work. I don't need to sign a three-year Salesforce CRM contract for $45,000 a year. I could just literally use Excel for a while or Airtable or any of the other free, awesome tools that are out there. There's so much in kind of the posturing or the jockeying and doing things formally or officially that I think gives so many founders artificial tension in resources that's unnecessary. When I work with startups and their founders, it's usually because they know they could be growing faster and they need some help to make it happen. Almost always, my first step with them is to take them through my growth audit process to diagnose and then help them fix the problem. But I can't work with everyone and I still want to help every founder grow. So I've created the growth audit quiz, which asks you some questions about your business and your process of turning a stranger into a loyal, happy customer to help you identify where you have the greatest opportunity to take a big leap forward. So go to a betterjones.com slash growth audit and take the growth audit now. You'll also have a chance to book some time with me to review your answers and together create an action plan to help you grow. It often feels like a status thing because it feels really good to sign, to be able to afford that big contract and say like, we're big enough or we need this, this massive three-year Salesforce instance. There's, there's something that feeds our ego in that. And what I think has been very interesting, and I think I've seen a lot of conversation around, particularly in the last kind of two years with COVID, we've seen these crazy seed raises not in Portland, let's be real, but nationally. Not and for I women, talk, let's be real. <laughs> and not for women and not for people of color, let's be real. Um, but I've seen, and I've had two people tell me this story about basically the same story about founders that were trying to raise a seed round, thought they wanted 3 million, got like 10 million. And then the investors come in, have these huge, crazy expectations. And six months in, they're pissed off that the CEO hasn't made these things happen. And so they take over the company from them and they basically take their company. And it's like, if you just raised a smaller amount, you wouldn't be in that position. And I think we've seen a lot there, the upside to not having great fundraising is that you don't get in that position of scaling things that don't deserve to be scaled. And so like, I know, and you and I've had this conversation before, some of the things that I've seen that are a huge disadvantage is exactly what you're talking about, where you over-engineer 
a super automated way of doing something that you haven't even proven in a manual way even works. And if you just took an extra month or two to just try it in this kind of scrappy, cobbled together, free solution way, you'd learn, oh, no, 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 wait, that doesn't work at all. Like we actually don't want to do it that way. And you try something else, but it feels good to be build a whole system to do things. I feel like this is not maybe actually my most toxic trait, but in the, in the meme of my most toxic trait, it is like choosing to be scrappy as a fault. And I think sometimes I'm like, hmm, perhaps if we just put a little pressure here from a financial perspective, all of these other problems would disappear. And I think there's a fine line there as a founder. And how do you deploy resources? Where are your resources coming from? And how do you, you know, you're building a business and at the end of the day, it has to be a business. It's not a hobby. It's uh, whether it's your money or other people's money that's coming into it, it becomes this very serious conversation of if you're spending these dollars, what are you getting back? And how are you able to manage your operational expenses through growth? And I think, you know, for so many of these startups who are fundraising wildly, the conversation is, you know, how do we fund growth? Well, it's great, but what's your general operating expenditure and how are you actually going to like manage that based on, you know, real requirements from revenue and how do you pivot when that doesn't work? And I think those are all parts of the conversation where, you know, you, it's hard, not most people don't come in and have massive experience in founding companies. And you're like, okay, so when you start a company, you need to have this and this and this and don't do this and don't do this. And these are all horrible mistakes. This is going to cost you way too much money. You know, there's so much different input coming in of you need this or you need this. Or I mean, the, the emails that I would get from CEOs that I work for, it's like, should we start doing a different campaign on this other thing that's totally tangential to what our core business strategy is right now? And as an inexperienced marketing leader, you're like, oh, should we? I was supposed to be working on that? Like, right. Yeah. We'll get right on it, boss. Like, <laughs> when sometimes those of us with a little bit of ADHD, right, we're like, oh, oh, okay, that sounds fun. Like, let's do that. And then you realize like, wait, this has totally distracted me from things I've been working on for a long time. Like, and you, yeah, it, it's, I had this conversation with someone yesterday. He was saying, he was like, look, you know, the, the real, the truly successful founders are the ones that are very good at recognizing what not to do. And I always use this analogy. I'm a big Top Chef fan. And all the the chefs that make it to the end and that ultimately win, they're the best at editing. And the 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 main judge and host Tom Colicchio, he always says constraint breeds creativity. And there's something really powerful about that in the founder world of kind of when we have free reign of resources, it makes us think that we don't have those constraints. And that, you know, we all know this from a marketing perspective. I'm sure you've said this before, right? You say, hey, if you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. Well, it's the same thing. Like of if you try to do everything in your business, you're basically going to do none of it well. And so how do you get focused? And it's really freaking hard. I uh, One of my personal goals 
for the first six months of the year is to really build some skills around delegating, because I think it's that same point. It's what do I have to do versus what needs to be done? And how do we manage kind of the goals, the goal resolution, whether that's personal or professional with me or someone else and managing our resources and, you know, frankly, our bandwidth the most effective way. So I've, I've got to ask you kind of a more personal question because you've brought up two things that to me, one, majorly resonate with me. And my, my probably in the meme of toxic traits, my two are be scrappy with everything and don't delegate anything. And I'm wondering, do you, do you think that this is a, a particularly woman trait of feeling like we kind of have to do it all and do it all without the, the added resources of delegation or financial support or, or you name it? You know, I don't know. I have so many thoughts on this and we could spend hours having this conversation. And there are so many different ways to kind of slice and dice it. I think I grew up in like the girl boss era and kind of seeing these images, videos, whatever, this story of you can have everything, you can have it all, you can have anything you want, you can be a soccer player, you can be a power horse superstar in a pantsuit or something like whatever. And, and that's just to me, such a toxic and dangerous narrative because, well, I don't receive a lot of male marketing, but I don't think any men receive that conversation or receive that message or receive like how to do it all without hair out of place. Like, I'm sorry, you guys, my hair is perpetually out of place. Like, there's kind of this moment, like as a metaphor, my hair is perpetually out of place and just literally. And so like, as we're growing up, as we're playing in these characters that have kind of been architected for us, it becomes really easy to just keep going. And I think that's part of that reconciliation. And I think so many founders do that in their own way. It's, I don't like this. I want to solve this problem. I want to do something different. I see a path out. You know, it's kind of like the the back door, or the side door when you are blockaded and you don't know the right way through. And I think the ability to see that path is so beautiful and so profound and something that a lot of people don't have the benefit of. And that's great. But then what? <laughs> I guess is it's sometimes the other piece that we kind of miss. And I think for women, you know, the the narrative of have it all, do it all, look great, be sexy. Sexy, but not too sexy. Smart, but not too smart. Like assertive, but not. So make sure that you you seem motherly and make sure that you help people and they feel supported. And God forbid, you know, you look at someone with a side eye because they like fucked your shit up, frankly. And like, (laughs) there we go with the final curse words at the top of the hour. You know, but it's kind of this funny thing. And I laugh anytime I feel like this. I just kind of laugh and think about that Taylor Swift song called The Man. And, you know, it's like sometimes I'm like, okay, if if it wasn't me, if it wasn't me asking this question, if it wasn't me having this conversation, if it wasn't me in this place, but it was my brother who 
is tall and white and man. What would that look like? And how would this be different? And I fantasize sometimes about having an online alter ego that's just a middle-aged, indiscriminated white man because the ways that they must be able to move through the world is so different and so foreign to how I experience it. And I think part of creating those creating that growth and creating the path that you want to have versus letting other people define the path for you is just clarifying what noise you're really willing to listen to versus kind of where you just put up the blinders. And, you know, they say it's one of the hardest things to do, but once you stop caring what other people think of you, like you can do anything And there's an element of like the people who matter and the people who are aligned in your values and your vision and how you want to live the world, whether that's friends or family or family that you've made from a variety of different communities, like it's such a different way to move through life. And I think for founders, finding people who can connect and understand and see that journey and see the struggle and also be able to provide a light to help maybe not guide the way or not not show them the end of the tunnel because that's different for everyone, but even just to like see three feet in front of you because sometimes that's the hardest part. And if you feel like you're walking up against the wall, but turns out you have 10 feet of space, like that is just maybe the breath that you need to keep going. And and sometimes it's not even being able to see the three feet, it's having someone hold your hand so that like, you're going to maybe walk into the wall together. And like, that's okay. And I do think, right, like having your founder friends, man, it kind of makes everything just a little bit easier. And especially if they can understand where you are, where you've been a little bit, and at least understand the vision of where you're going. And having, you know, female founders to connect with, having other people who walk through life in a similar place or similar perspective. And then I think, you know, on the flip side, just learning from everywhere. Like that's the thing that I think is most interesting about life is that the the stuff you learn in one area can be so easily shared and transformed and impactful in so many others and lessons come to us in a variety of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, this is this has been a very good conversation. I knew it would be. So if founders listening want to learn more about Margot and get the help that that you you offer, and also I'm I'm glad you explained a little bit about kind of that experience of that initial sort of onboarding and that dashboard. Like that sounds so powerful. That alone to me seems so ridiculously valuable because a lot of founders are struggling to kind of put those those pieces together on their own. So where do they go? How do they find out more? Yep. So callmargo.com is our website and you can go learn more about the business, the product, uh, how, to, how it works, um, as well as if you are a freelancer, marketing, copy, design, whatnot. Uh, we have a directory of freelancers that we host. So if someone kind of goes through the application process, they can be listed in our profile and work with all of the founders and businesses that we work with, either through services or products they create or things like that. So to learn more for founders or for freelancers, call margo.com. And then if you're a founder, you could set up a company account for free at dash dot 
callmargo.com. And um, our free plan includes your architecture and a lot of kind of basic information for the foundations of your business. So it's worth having an account, even if you just use it to kind of say, this is our brand guide and this is our messaging and these are our, our audience avatars and things like that. It really helps streamline some of those pieces. And um, yeah, I think that's the that's the crux of it. Yeah, no, it sounds super powerful. And and just back to kind of what we were talking about of these sort of like foundational pieces that you need to figure out and you need to be able to communicate with others. And oftentimes when we're moving so quickly, it's it's a um it's an oversight. So I love that you do this. Okay, so I have three questions for you. So I end every interview. So one, what's something that makes you grateful to be a founder? We've talked about some of the the shit of it. <laughs> so what's something that makes you grateful to be on this journey as a founder? You know, honestly, it's like the you don't get any of the good stuff without any of the bad stuff and the the wider the scale that you're willing to tolerate, the better it can possibly be, I think. And I really do believe that. Resiliency is something I think that's really valuable. But seeing that you can do it, seeing that you can survive, seeing that you can help people in the way that maybe you intended to as you started or somewhere close to what you intended as you started, there's this, this kind of magical moment of it's both part of you and outside of you. And, you know, there's this really proud parent element of, I created this, it's useful. It did something like that was worth it. And those moments of connection, whatever they are, um, personally, professionally, from a product perspective, I think are so valuable and keep you kind of more grounded in that reality. Yeah. Oof. Um, okay. What is a resource, a book, a video, uh, something that has helped you on kind of your journey as a founder? And it can be really tactical and specific, or it can be something, I don't know, completely different. It's like the gift that you look at when you're having a really hard founder day. Oh my God. There are so many books. I love reading and I read a lot, but I think of a recent read that has been really impactful, I would say Atomic Habits is one that I recommend um, to everyone. It's another day we can talk about all of the systems that I have created over my life to solve for what is now an ADHD diagnosis. And the ways of thinking that I would come to, had I just had this book, it would have made so much more sense and been so much clearer and been so much faster. And would have saved me so much heartache in trying to figure out how to create these systems and create these habits. And, and I think for anyone struggling with where they are, where they want to be, whatever that is, um, it's just an incredibly powerful resource. And even if you're not, even if you don't like the book, just getting on his newsletter, James Clear's newsletter is one of my favorite things to recommend to people. Yeah, it's a really good one. And I'm glad you brought it up because I was just thinking recently, it's been a while since I've read Atomic Habits. And I was thinking recently, it's time for a reread. It's time for like a little bit of a refresh. Um, Just check in, like, is this where I want to be? Is this what I want to be doing? You know, and how do I make steps to go forward if not? Yeah. Um, Okay. And then lastly, if you could go back in time and tell pre founder page, 
something, some give, impart some piece of advice um, before you started this journey as an entrepreneur? What what would you tell your younger self? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I think about that a lot. And there are so many lessons that have been so painful in this journey. But most of them, I think, would come back to like trust your gut and your intuition is really powerful. And if there's something that doesn't feel aligned, dig deeper and explore that and really test the assumptions that you have. Because so often, I think as a founder, you can feel inexperienced or be put in a position where you're like, well, I don't know, maybe they are really smart or maybe this is the right decision or maybe, you know, maybe I'm like really wrong or some other version of not enough for this moment. And simultaneously, there's a different feeling. And I think navigating and exploring that and really getting comfortable with being a beginner and it not always being clear and not having the right answer 99.9% of the time would have saved not just heartache, but money would have saved a lot of other things. Nonetheless, like trust your gut. Yeah. I think that's a very good one just because it's yeah. Sometimes it's not right, but sometimes it is. And so be willing to explore it and kind of wait around in that quagmire of chaos. Oh, well, deciphering between your gut and like your conditioning is really, yeah, is really freaking hard. But also it's like sometimes sometimes something is a good is a smart decision, but that doesn't mean it's the right decision for you. And it it takes a ton of trial and error to figure that out. Yep. Thank you. This was an amazing conversation. Everyone go sign up for Margo. Um, The link will be in the show notes. And Paige, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you holding the space. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. I hope you enjoyed that episode on the High Growth Founders Podcast. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show of whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And look, much like this show, I love getting into the good, the bad, and everything in between. So please feel free to express yourself in the reviews of the show. And consider subscribing to the High Growth Founders newsletter by going to highgrowthfounders.substack.com. You'll get the show delivered to your inbox every single week, plus stories, insights, and actionable tips from my work helping founders accelerate their growth and from my own journey, accelerating my own. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we are here to learn from one another. So please, if the episode made you think of a founder who is leveling up in their business, take a screenshot and share it with them. Okay, that's all I've got. In love and growth, I am out of here. See you next time.